Andrew, we got Martin on the line. What do you want to ask him? I'd love to know how you balance family life. I have a team, both at home. My wife is amazing, carries a lot of the load. Also, getting a team to do different aspects of multifamily. You're going to need someone to do asset management, someone to speak to brokers, someone to do investor relations. Hopefully, with time, you get things automated and you have systems and it gets easier. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. Now, this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. I'm very excited for today's show. We got two amazing people on the line with us right now. We got Martin Ririani and Andrew Kuntzman. And first up, we're going to talk with Martin, our experienced investor today. So Andrew, hold tight for just a couple of minutes. Martin, welcome. Thank you very much, Brian. Glad to be here. All right. Glad to have you. Um, so let's let's talk about you for a second. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh you know, where you're from, what you've been doing, and what got you into multifamily. So great. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Kenya. And uh, I was uh, the third born of a family of four. Mm-hmm. I went to medical school and I came to the U.S. in about 2005 to further my training. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was in medical school, there was one of the exchange students who came in. And he was from Chicago County Hospital. And he told me, hey, you know, we always take foreign residents here to further the training. So he told me to apply and I applied and I got in. So I did my training for three years in Chicago and then went ahead to continue my training in critical care mm-hmm. uh, medicine in Rochester, Minnesota. Okay. Mayo Clinic. And then uh, from there, I remained in the Midwest and moved to Wisconsin in a small town called uh, Marshfield, and I've been practicing here for the last 10 years as an attending in critical care. So it's been an amazing journey. Nice, nice. So from Kenya to Chicago and Chicago to Minnesota, Minnesota to to Wisconsin. Um, yeah, now, in, incidentally, mm-hmm. um, you know, Rochester is not too far from Twin Cities. Um, I, I spent uh, I spent not a lot of time Um uh, in the Twin Cities, going to grad school at the University of Minnesota, so know exactly where Rochester is, and you know it's a, it's a nice little area. So, um, what a one and a half south of uh, the Twin Cities—that's where we yeah. go when we yeah. had some free time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a really nice area. Um, I I enjoyed it. Um, I think what no no thinking about it. I went to graduate school. I started graduate school in August of two thousand one, and in September, World Trade Center went down. Pentagon got hit. And uh, I decided to go active duty. So I didn't last more than, you know, a month, month and a half in, in my, my PhD program. But, uh, you know, had it not been for that event, I'd probably be, you know, Dr. Brian Briscoe, you know, math <laughs> professor. But uh, uh, anyway, so you're, you're now a, a practicing physician in, in Wisconsin. Um, tell us why, what led you into multifamily? Yeah, so uh, great question. So, me and my wife, my wife is also a physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a nephrologist, so a kidney doctor. 
we've mm. always wanted to go into real estate. Uh, but I was more reluctant because I just didn't want to have the three o'clock, you know, call yeah. the block toilet, you know. So I always delayed it. And you know, we were busy, side uh, of family. We have now three kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it would always come up. So eventually I decided to invest in a fund. And that was good. So I did some QOZ funds and uh, another fund. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we still really wanted to be hands-on. And yeah. what really changed uh, our perspective was COVID. So when COVID hit, of course, everything shut down. Yeah. Uh, we're in a small town and, uh, you know, we'd travel a lot. So there was no more traveling, right? Everything yeah. was shut down. Of course, everyone was really scared. I worked in the ICU, so I spent a lot of time in the ICU. Mm-hmm. But uh, incidentally... Uh, from a personal uh, perspective, it was actually a blessing in disguise because we ended up doing a lot of reading, ended up uh, going to a lot of uh, podcasts, listening to podcasts, going to bigger pockets, and yeah. just learning about real estate. And uh, the journey really started there. Mm-hmm. So we thought that since we didn't want to be landlords uh, owning single family homes, let's go to multifamily, right? And as I read uh, uh, in bigger pockets and other places, the valuation is a little different when you are at a fourplex and above, right? Yep. So we thought, okay, we're going to try a fiveplex. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we went out, started contacting brokers, looking at uh, property managers, and weren't really lucky. You know, we didn't get anything. Along the way, uh, my wife introduced me to her, one of our good friend's husband, who was actually in multifamily. Uh, he owns a thirdplex in Indiana, mm-hmm. and it was honestly a big... Uh, big mindset shift. So he told me, hey, you know what? If you can do a five flex, you know, you can do bigger, right? We're actually looking between five and 20. Yeah. And uh, he told us of his experience. So he said uh, he regrets, one of the things that he regretted was going a little smaller. You know, that it was already pretty big. But he said that uh, when you are below a certain number, he said 80, you're kind of like in a donut hole in the multifamily in terms of getting the economies of scale. Right. Mm. So he ended up firing two of his property managers because, you know, he'd get a property manager, you know, who probably managed like a five plex. And they would say, you know, we can manage a 30 plex because way over their head. Right. Yeah. And then the bigger players were not interested in him. So he ended up firing two and it was, you know, yeah. uh, a big learning experience for him. And, you know, so anyway, so from there, he told us, hey, you know what, why don't you just go bigger? And uh, we started looking in the Internet, looking at. Uh, pretty much coaches and groups that people join because multifamily is, is a teamwork. Yeah. And, uh, you know, such led us to, you know, the team that we found. So nice. that's kind of like how Jenny has been. Now I've never heard it called the donut hole, but I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about. You know, if you, if you look at the portfolio that I'm involved in, you know, we've only got two properties that are a hundred units or more. Um, we've got, you know, a couple of eighties, you know, that are mm-hmm. right next you know, we got an 80 that's right next to a 40 that we manage as a 120, and we've got an 82. And we just sold the 82, but we had an 82 right next to a 28 that we managed as a we'll see math in public 110, right? So, um, but that does create a space for newer investors, in my opinion, because you know the people who've been in the business for a long time they don't want they want the easy. All right. They don't want the tough management problem, which is, you know, the 40 to 50 unit where it's hard mm-hmm. to find a property manager. Mm-hmm. They want the hundred and above. And therefore that space ends up being 
kind of a donut hole for finding deals as well, where, you know, it's a donut hole for management, but that creates an opportunity for the newer investors because there's less competition. Yes. So actually my friend ended up uh, being his own property manager. So he set up the whole system, he got assistance on the ground and uh, it's really great, but it's honestly a second job. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know? It is. It is. And I, I was just talking with uh, a couple in, in Houston that are doing the same thing. Um, they're now up to 60 units they're self-managing. And, uh, you yeah. know, I don't know, that's, that's where you get the tenants and toilets phone calls. You know, if yes. you're, if you bring a property management company in, they get the tenants and toilets phone calls, you know, but uh, like you said, there's, there's a, it's really hard to find a good property management company on a 50 yeah. unit property. So, so that was his experience, and uh, you know, we took it, and you know, we're really glad that you know we met him, and he gave us that advice. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, let's talk about uh, the the first deal you guys did, and tell tell us a little bit about it. Break it break it down um, into some of the the details. So great. So this uh, it's it's a three hundred and four apartment. It's in Mobile, Alabama. It's mm-hmm. actually it's uh, uh, two apartments. So, uh, they go by the name of uh, Summer Apartments, the Summer Place and Summer Tree. Okay. And uh, uh, once you know, we joined the group, I got in uh, as a core GP in the team. Mm-hmm. It was sourced uh, out of uh, off-market, so it okay. was a pretty well-priced. Um, the, the price point was 60000 and once it's renovated, you know, that was, it was it closed last year. Mm-hmm. It was going at about 100 plus, maybe 108. Nice. So a lot of uh, upside potential. And um, I was involved in um, a green capital. So mm-hmm. uh, getting other physicians and showing them the opportunity, which was really great. Family, friends, colleagues. Uh, also involved in co-signing the loans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, really excited. Now it's been uh, three months. And uh, involved in, you know, the property management and uh, speaking with the property managers. So now we are uh, currently... Um, implementing the business plan, which involves improving, uh, you know, the apartments. Uh, we realized that we had a lot of um, tenants mm-hmm. who were not properly screened. So, of course, when we're trying to get new tenants, screen yeah. them, get the occupancy up, and uh, pretty much implement the business plan. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's interesting that you know management the the condition of a property when you find value adds there's usually more than one problem you know if if there's deferred maintenance if if the management company is being lazy with the maintenance they're they're probably also not being as um, diligent with the tenant screening as well and so typically when you come into properties like that you're finding that you've got to cycle through the tenants just as much as you have to cycle through the units and start renovating so that's that's something that we found in almost every property we've um, we've taken, we've purchased and taken control of is Mm -hmm. there's going to be a certain percentage of the tenants that you're not going to want to keep. And, you know, finding those is, is, you know, one of the first challenges, you know, figuring out who stays and who goes is definitely a challenge. Sometimes the expense is going to drop, but you know, Mm -hmm. you're going to have better tenants down the line. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with, with COVID, there was a tendency for, you know, courts to not evict people and there's a tendency for the debt, bad debt to rack up. And, um, you know, you, you said you bought it about a year ago, so you were probably still in that, that time frame. Some, some municipalities are still a little difficult, but, uh, um, yeah. a lot of programs that, uh, subsidize the rents for tenants mm-hmm. ran out. 
Yeah. So, you know, tenants have to go and look for jobs and some are not willing to. So, yeah. You know, and we, we've had a couple, um, the, the one we recently purchased, uh, it's, it's a really small one in Georgia, but you know, we had to do the same thing. We had, a, had several eviction notices within the first couple of months of the people that had a lot of bad debt and the previous owner hadn't, uh, hadn't moved on that. So, mm-hmm. um, and you're right, the vacancy goes up, but you're able to renovate those units and, and keep your business plan going. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now you mentioned before we started recording that you got another property that you're working on in Atlanta as well. Um, so how, how's that one coming along? Was that, well, actually, before I ask that, let me, let me back mm-hmm. up. Is that with the same group that you partnered with on this mobile deal? Yes, it's with the same group. Actually, that's our, uh, the third property that we have done. So we had another one in between. That's okay. in Northwest Arkansas. That was 256 units. Okay. And that uh, closed maybe about a uh, month ago. And oh, then nice. we have this one that we're actually going to be closing today. That's in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. It's 104. It's a vintage property. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1959 built, mm-hmm. so a lot of you know deferred maintenance, but also a lot of upside. So uh, you know, pretty heavy value add, and the rents in Atlanta, you know, are just going off the roof. It's, it's yes. just it's unbelievable. You know, just the time that we've been in contract, the rents have gone up. You know, to the point that we may actually not need to implement the full business plan to just get our projections. So, yeah. well, you got you got some good markets there. I know Northwest Arkansas has a lot of goodness going on. Um, one of my best buddies from my Marine Corps days is, is in Northwest Arkansas. And, uh, you know, he called me out of the blue a couple of days ago, but I'd love to have a property there. And I've uh, been looking at Atlanta for quite a while and, and haven't, uh, haven't struck pay dirt yet, but uh, I've yeah, got a couple of properties. What's that? It's very competitive. Actually, we, we went to the best and final for this uh, one in Georgia and we came out second and yeah. ends up that uh, the one who came out first pulled out. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. competitive. That's one thing that I think a lot of people, if if they're diligent on, they can find these deals on the rebound. You know, if you if you come in close on best and final and you let the broker know that you're still interested, um, you know, brokers, brokers want a quick sale. And if they fall out of contract, they want to get somebody else locked in as quick as possible so the owner doesn't go to somebody else. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. the honest truth right there. So brokers are very eager to get somebody in on the rebound when, when properties fall out, out of contract. But uh um I read I read Donald Trump's book. It's one he read. He wrote, I think it was like 1986, but it was long, long time ago before he was, uh, you know, uh, any sort of political figure. But mm-hmm. his philosophy and this this speaking specifically about Atlanta is he would buy in the best cities on the best street, you know, the best properties in the best street in the best cities, you know, and that's that's why he's in New York City and and uh, got properties in some of the bigger, bigger cities. But his philosophy, and I think you'll probably agree, is those properties are always going to be in demand and you're always going to be able to sell them. So Absolutely. people yeah. people look at places like Atlanta and think, man, it's it's too hot there, but it's hot for a reason. And yeah, it's getting hotter because everybody's moving down south. And yeah. yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, congratulations on, on closing today. I'm sure by the time this podcast airs in a couple of weeks, you guys will you know, have, have taken some serious strides in getting your business plan executed, but, uh, and congratulations on your success. I mean, three properties, you know, since COVID came down and three large properties since COVID, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a big deal. So congratulations. Well, thank you. And, you know, it's a lot of it is my partners, you know, mm-hmm. we have partnered with and it's all a teamwork. 
it's it's definitely a team sport. So um, now one question I'd like to ask everybody, you know, try, trying to, I guess, peer into people's souls, I guess. But what what is your motivation? What's your your big burning why? Yeah, so um, when COVID hit, and I guess even before COVID, I was working a lot. My, my wife is a physician. I'm a physician. We have three kids. And when COVID hit, you know, all hell broke loose, right? So yep. the ICUs were overflowing, you know. And uh, we did get help uh, in terms of medical staff, nursing staff, respiratory therapists, but we never got any help in terms of additional physicians, you know, they just yep. none to go around. So we ended up working a lot. And uh, it was, you know, an honor to work alongside all these people and to help patients get better. We saved a lot of lives, but it took a toll on, mm-hmm. on all of us, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, started thinking of what are ways that uh, I can get to buy back my time, ways in which I can get to practice medicine mm-hmm. on my own terms. And, uh, you know, there are many ways that uh, you can deal with physician burnout, but finance is one of them. Because mm-hmm. as you get more financially independent, then uh, you don't really need the job and you do it because you love it, right? Yeah. So that's uh, one of, of my uh, biggest whys is to uh, get, grow and protect my wealth, buy back my time, mm-hmm. practice medicine on my own terms, and also get you know other physicians to do the same. Because when I speak to physicians, there's always an aspect of medicine mm-hmm. they don't like. They like being doctors, but there's a certain aspect. For me, personally, is working nights, kind of like the bane of every, yep. you know, physician who works shift, uh, who does shift work. Other people, you know, it's whatever it is, you know. So if you can be able to get rid of that, you know, through other sources of income, then you can be a better doctor. And, you know, everybody wants a doctor who's happy and who loves his job, right? Yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I've, got a, I've got a lot of nurses in my family and, you know, it's... Uh, you know, my hat's off to you. I think when, when COVID first came out, you know, doctors and nurses were were really the front line on everything and um, a lot of unknowns and, you know, doctors and nurses still kept on going to work, kept on treating period people at their own risk. You know, I think, um, I mean, I, I spent 20 years in the military, but I think there was a certain period where you, you probably had a higher, much higher risk than I did in Iraq or Afghanistan. But uh, so thanks for what you do. Thanks for, you know, taking care of, you know, the sick and afflicted people in, in the world. So yeah. appreciate that. So, so last question before we uh, bring Andrew on, what's next for you? So uh, my plan is just to continue, uh, you know, to grow, to continue to get as many physicians to uh, get to know the opportunity, mm-hmm. buy back the time to get to practice medicine on their own terms. Um, my next project, I want to see maybe in the next year or so is to also be a lead, uh, a lead in one of the deals. So I go and start speaking out to brokers, I uh, get uh, to source the deals myself and then, you know, get people in my team as well. Nice. So, that's, yeah. so, so moving, moving from a main capital raiser sponsor guarantor to, you know, the, the lead sponsor, be, be the man right. in charge. Yeah. Right. Nice, nice. Appreciate that. So cool. Well, we're going to shift gear slightly. And Andrew, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. I mean, it's been a, been a long time coming. I think uh, we've we've known each other for I don't know how long, but it's it's been a while. Um, so appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely. 
Yeah, happy to be here. Now, for the listeners, I, I will say, you know, Andrew is quite memorable. Um, you know, I have this weekly Friday meetup. And during the winter, Friday seems to be the day that he goes snowboarding. So um, he's, he's dialed into my weekly meetup, in, you know, with with his, you know, ski goggles. And I guess they're snowboard goggles and not ski goggles up on you both. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, glad glad you had you take advantage of the great outdoors in the uh, greater Denver area. Absolutely. You have to. I mean, I just feel so lucky to be here and have all those opportunities at my fingertips. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up on the other side of the mountains, you know, Salt Lake City. And there there was a lot of opportunities there. You know, um, remember mountain biking quite a bit, still have scars from mountain biking. Um, and when I was younger, I used to my my high school job was literally to pay for lift tickets. You know, I would I would work enough to buy a lift ticket, go skiing and then, you know, go back to work, you know, two or three nights uh, after school to to buy another lift ticket. So understand, you know, kind of your location, just other side of the mountains, beautiful area. Yeah. So anyway, do us a favor and, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah. Andrew Kuntzman, I am in Golden, Colorado, and I've been a commercial multifamily roofer for the last five years. Uh, started only local here in Colorado, but we're now uh, including uh, a couple of our like 1099 uh, sales staff and things. We have 130 employees and uh, nationwide. So get to travel a little bit for that, get to work with great people like yourselves that have uh, you know different multifamily and uh, you know storage, different things like that all around the country. Yep. Um, and I was former military like Brian. Um, I dropped out of college though, not uh, dropped out of the PhD program. And uh, you know, I'm yeah, still a college in. dropout. I, I definitely <laughs> dropped out. So yeah. 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 Um, but went to school, just didn't really enjoy it. Uh, went into air force special operations, mm -hmm. uh, thought that, uh, my plan was to do, uh, 20 years and buy properties at each duty station. And, uh, you know, was always interested in real estate, but God had different plans. And my military career was cut short after three years. And, um, so it was more or less just uh, kind of bouncing back and figuring out what was next. Uh, certainly some humbling experiences along the way. Um, <clears throat> but through that, uh, you know, I learned how to just make things work. Uh, and then I also realized that I was not too bad at sales. Um, and so sold cars for a couple of years, uh, then new homes and now, um, you know, large scale roofing projects. Um, and uh, just kind of had some excess income, uh, probably not quite the physician level, but certainly <laughs> not bad and uh, wanted to be a good steward of whatever God had given me. So started looking at real estate, um, but didn't exactly know how to do it. Did a couple hard money deals um, just to kind of get my foot in the door and ask to you know learn along the way as they were buying properties to help someone get a 110 unit in uh North Carolina, Fayetteville area. Okay. Um, and then after that, I was like, okay, I don't think I want to do this on the hard money side. There's mm -hmm. not that much upside, but I learned a few things. And so I did a couple, uh, apartment syndication, you know, as an LP position, mm -hmm. uh, in 2020, uh, started getting on all the, uh, different real estate calls and yeah. 
just diving in. Um, and then I found out my VA eligibility changed and there was no limit. And so due to my high income, I immediately told my lender refinance my first yeah. uh, VA loan, get me out of the VA side so that I get my eligibility. And I bought, in my opinion, one of the greatest, uh, house hacks mm-hmm. that I've seen at least for a family of five, uh, like you, Martin. Um, and we got a property on land in a pretty landlocked area, Golden, Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, with an apartment unit uh, that we just started Airbnb, uh, and then a shop in the back that we rent out to a guy who makes bike parts and a, a landscaper. And originally, mm-hmm. I had horses on the property, but we got rid of them and we're going to build a go-kart track and have some fun in the back. But, uh, you know, we have this amazing house. It's completely paid for by other people. And then I make about two grand on my first house. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's been a great process, learned a lot about, uh, you know, the medium term rentals at my other property and just getting into the Airbnb side. We had missionaries from our church there for the first year. Uh, just want to always be willing to give, back to those who need it more and are serving people. Um, so yeah, that was a great opportunity. So that's, that's where I'm at. So, so you've been involved in many aspects of multifamily except the GP side. So correct. Um, now when you yeah. say hard money, I assume that was earnest money that you were putting up. Uh, yeah, I did an earnest money on mm-hmm. one. And then, uh, I had a, they had a couple duplex as well that I, I, uh, just had a, you know, equity share of for a time frame. Um, but I sold all of those to get into the LP positions and, um, yeah, you know, like Martin for, for me, it's like, I, I don't know how you do what you do that the doctor side and have the time for the, the GP stuff, but a lot of people do it well. Um, I'm trying to find that balance. I do feel like I've gained a little bit more margin, uh, in my time, but, uh, yeah, still trying to figure that out, uh, before I go, you know, fully active on the, uh, multifamily space. Uh, That was hard for me too. So, um, so let let me ask one more question and then I'll hand the mic over essentially, but uh, what's your why? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, the apartment that we had, uh, it's, it's those type of interactions being able to, uh, give back when we feel so incredibly blessed, uh, beyond what we ever deserve. Um, and then, you know, having tenants that we can pour into and, uh, share lives together and uh, bless them and just be different than, um, you know, a lot of other landlords out there, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the roofing side, you know, I see the, both the good and bad, you know, the, the complete, uh, you know, slumlord type, uh, landlords and some of the best, and I want to be one of the best and, uh, you know, just genuinely care for the people in my life and give back in ways that, you know, I never experienced, uh, personally, but like, uh, my parents were missionaries growing up and, you know, just the ways that people poured into them in, you know, just the perfect moments and clearly just a God, uh, God divining, uh, intervention on some of their cases. So I just wanted to be a small part of that. And that's, that's, what's motivated me. All right. Thank you for sharing that. I very much appreciate it, but, um, here we go with my favorite part of the podcast, Andrew, we got Martin on the line. What do you want to ask him? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I briefly touched on it, but Martin, I'd love to know, um, how you do balance your, um, you know, family life and your, your practice and, uh, you know, do these, uh, deals in multifamily and how you continue to buy back that time. Like you were talking about, um, you know, 
as I alluded to, I think that's my goal and my direction. I'm just a little bit further behind you. Um, so I would love to learn how to uh, best do that. And maybe some of your biggest mistakes along the way so that hopefully I don't make those. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, no, thank you. No, I mean, I think it's always a balancing act. You're never really on balance, but it's always a balancing act. And um, yeah, it's, it's always tough to juggle because it ends up almost being like two full-time jobs, right? Uh, working as a physician in the ICU. Now, thank God that uh, COVID has come down significantly. So the pressure that we had before has come down. Uh, but, you know, we still have patients in the ICU. And of course, you know, having a family. Um, so one of the things that has really helped is to have a team, as, uh, as I said before, right? A team both at home. My wife, you know, she's amazing, carries a lot of the load when I have to go to, you know, meetups in the evening, when you have to go and speak with potential investors and you have to go and meet people for coffee, you know, she's really holding the thought. That's also, you know, working full time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also uh, getting a team, you know, that uh, do different aspects of multifamily because, you know, you're going to realize there's just so many aspects, right? Uh, you're going to need someone to do asset management, someone to speak to brokers, someone to do investor relations, you know, there's just so many aspects. Mm -hmm. So having a great team, that helps a lot. And, you know, at some point, for whatever reason, you're not able to contribute as much when people pick up the slot, you know, like this week I'm off, uh, have a little bit of extra time. So, you know, you can do up a little bit of, of work. So that way it helps, uh, you know, balancing and, you know, each, uh, everybody supporting everybody else. But it will never really be a perfect balance. You know, hopefully with time, you get things automated and you have systems and uh, then it gets easier, but, you know, still yeah. setting up the systems. So. Yeah, I, I remember using the juggling analogy a lot, but taking it one step further, you know, if, if, you, if you have a lot of balls in the air, um, there comes a point in time where you're going to drop stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, somebody used this analogy once and I don't remember who it was, so I can't give them credit, but you have to remember, you have to know which balls bounce and which balls break. <laughs> okay. And I think that's the best analogy I've ever heard is you're juggling, you're trying to keep 10 or 12 different balls in the air. And when things get difficult, okay, you keep the, you keep the fragile ones up is what mm -hmm. you do. You keep the ones that break if they fall up in the air and you let the other balls bounce, you know, and that's, that's, that's my best analogy for, for trying to do everything, you know, two jobs at once, you know, working full time plus building a real estate business. It's not easy. And, you know, Martin, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you said is you, you partner up, you find people who can balance, help you balance out, you know, your strengths with, with theirs. So Great. Yeah. I just, I recently finished uh, who not how, and you know, that was certainly uh, an eye opener. You know, I think Martin, like, how did you find the team that you uh, are now with? I mean, it sounds like you, you've done three deals with them. It, it must be going well. You know, a lot of people don't have a great first partnership. What, what do you feel like? Was it just, Hey, this fell into my lap or did you do a lot of uh, background work to find, uh, you know, such a great team the first time around? Yeah, so I think part of it is luck, but part of it is also putting in a lot of action, right? So reading a lot. So during this COVID period, uh, in, in addition to working, you know, in the hospital, we also did a lot of reading. I think between me and my wife, we probably read like 50 books. We read Who Not How. I love that book, right? Other mm -hmm. books, you know, like, yeah, we can talk about many different books. Some of them were on mindset. Some of them were on real estate. 
I you know I'm progressively going to multifamily. Um, and then I met up, I met with uh, the person who does, uh, who was doing 30plex in Indiana. And he was also a really big boost. So together, he introduced mm-hmm. me to, you know, the multifamily space, uh, a lot of the coaches, a lot of the teams. And uh, I think one of the things that really helped was to uh, define my criteria of what I was looking for, and then be very specific and then just take action and just start looking for them. And, uh, you know, before I ended up with the group that I am in, I interviewed different people and they're all really great, right? Uh, looked at their culture, looked at, uh, you know, how the students are, got to interview some of the people who are in those groups and then, you know, ended up, you know, with this group and it's, uh, it's been a great experience. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, that's super cool. And then do you have any um, other physicians on your team or is it just you that's the, the one, you know, licensed doctor in the group? <laughs> no, so actually in the group, there are a couple of other physicians too. There's uh, one other pulmonary critical care doctor, just like myself, mm-hmm. who's in Dallas. There is uh, another family physician. I believe he is in uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, there uh, is an optometrist. The, uh, the current uh, deals that I am in, I am the only physician. So there are those not physicians. But in the cool. group... As a general, there are other physicians and, you know, there are people with all, all sorts of backgrounds. Sure. Yeah. yeah. The reason I ask, uh, you know, I think Brian met one of the, my coworkers, Todd, uh, mm-hmm. came with me to the best ever conference. He's a little newer in, uh, you know, roofing sales, but doing well, just paid off all his debt and now looking at a house and, uh, you know, trying to figure out next steps. But I, you know, I just said, Hey man, I waited way too long, uh, to get into this. You need to get into it as soon as possible. Um, you know, he's making the income to be an accredited, an accredited investor, but he hasn't been doing it long enough. So, you know, he's getting there, but I'm like, there's still, you know, sophisticated mm-hmm. options that you can do, um, and still get in and, you know, start meeting these people early. And so, you know, I think it's important for me, uh, again, further behind you, but, uh, want to, like you said, uh, you know, pour into the community that I'm part of and, you know, other sales guys and, you know, tech sales guys, whatever, some of those guys that just have good income, but may never have heard about this. So, you know, I want to learn how to yeah. best approach them and teach them and, you know, add value in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, just one other thing by me, uh, getting a mentor or getting a coach is going to shave off many years and many mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it costs, you know, trying to get somebody who can take you under the wings, is mm-hmm. going to be very helpful. I and mean, you can figure it Absolutely. out yourself, but it's yeah. going to be yeah. you know, a lot of bruises along the way and maybe a lot of mistakes. And especially yeah. if you're talking about investors, other people's money, you know, <laughs> you don't want to lose that. So yeah. no, that's a great point. Uh, yeah, Todd, Todd's a great example, you know, young and, and making a lot of income. But to, to your, your point, Andrew, you know, a lot of people don't know this exists. And I think in general, you know, if you're trying to, you know, if you're looking for investors, you've got to, you've got to understand what people's pain points are, you know? So if you're looking to bring, you know, physicians or, you know, people in your own industry in, you have to understand what your pain points. And Martin talked a lot about what the physician's pain points are. You know, they like being a doctor, they like practicing medicine, but there's always something that's there. And if you understand those pain points, Mm -hmm. you know, you can help show them 
how multifamily will address those pain points. You know, and that's sure. that that I think is the key is, is you look to see where their pain points are. You know, maybe they're making a lot of money, but they're working way too much, or maybe they're making a lot of money, but you know, whatever that but is, you know, you you figure out how multifamily can can solve their their butts or their pain points. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point. Thanks. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and how old are your kids, Martin? My oldest is uh, 12 years old. He's in seventh grade, going to eighth grade. Mm-hmm. I have a six-year-old who's going to be joining first grade next year. I'm going to have a two-year-old who's not terrible too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Again, the reason I asked that, uh, so my kids are five, three and eight months old. Um, but I mean, I think again, to, you know, teaching people the things that I may have learned the hard way and hope to learn less of them the hard way. Uh, my goal would also be to involve my kids in real estate in the future. Do you have any plans to kind of start teaching them, you know, as your 12 year olds, uh, almost a teenager, do you, do you hope that they have some interest or are they going to be doctors as well? Uh, (laughs) No, absolutely. I, I, I really want to get him more involved. Um, in fact, um, in the group that we are in, uh, one of the people, one of, you know, the mentors there brought his kids to the conferences that we go to awesome. and they are right yeah. about the age of my mm-hmm. oldest son. So I'm hoping cool. the next conferences to just, you know, take him along with me, pick his interest, you know, yeah. and how long he's going to be able That's to sit cool. there. But even if he sits through at least one, you know, mm-hmm. then, uh, of course, you know, getting him to read uh, books and mindsets, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, got him to read uh, the good, uh, Poor Dad, Rich Dad. I uh, got him to read, uh, you know, other books, just, you know, getting into you know the right mind frame so yeah yeah absolutely super cool thanks yeah i'm trying i'm trying to get my my kids involved as much as can my my oldest is 22 and and for a long time she was editing the podcast um you know so she was listening to all of this uh and and learning but uh you know, try to teach my younger kids, you know, my, I have, I have my 11 year old do, you know, certain tasks that I pay her for, you know, most of them are, you know, the rinse and repeat type task where you teach her how to do something once and she does it a hundred times. Um, but you know, she, she gets paid, but I, I try to explain why, you know, and, um, I loved her response. This was, this was just like a week ago. She's like, so you paid me $70 to do that. And you might make thousands off of it. <laughs> That's like, good. Yeah, I will. <laughs> and, and I think I think the light started going on to her. She's like, "That's not fair." I'm like, "You agree? You agreed to ten dollars an hour. You're 11. Where are you going to get a better job?" But I think I think just just explaining how that fits into the bigger picture is is going to keep her, you know, later on from trying to get that, you know, ten dollar an hour job. You know, when she's yeah. A older. Well, let her know that, sorry, let her know that when I was 11, I started working at the general store in Papua New Guinea for three Kina an hour, which came out to about a dollar an hour. So she's 10 Xing what I did already. So I think she's doing all right. Yeah. My, my first, my first job ended up being about three fifty an hour. It was uh, picking cherries at a local orchard and I was 12. So that's awesome. Um, she's doing better. 
better than me too. So anyway, uh, we are about out of time. Amazing how time flies when you're, when you're having a good time, but uh, I got one question for each of you to close things up. Martin, you get to go first. How can listeners learn more about you? Yes. uh, So they can follow me at uh, Facebook. Mm -hmm. My name, Martin Riviani, or I also have a, a playbook for physicians called WOL in five years. And you can get that at mdinvestmentclub.com. So www.mdinvestmentclub.com. Okay. And uh, you can download it. And, uh, you know, we'll be happy to get you to a monthly webinar that we do just explaining multifamily and, uh, you know, going through the basics and, you know, teaching people about it. All right. So we'll, we'll put a link to that in our, in our, our show notes, mdinvestmentclub.com. And then we'll also put a link to your Facebook profile. So, um, so if anyone wants to contact Martin, super easy, head to the show notes and that information will be at your fingertips. Andrew, same question for you. How can investors learn more about you? Yeah, I uh, technically have a Facebook, but I never use it. So don't go there. <laughs> um, but <laughs> LinkedIn is uh, where I'm mostly at. Um, honestly, I don't remember the hyperlink off the top of my head, but I'm sure Brian can put it in the we'll notes. Yeah, has something about commercial multifamily roofing. And uh, yeah, I'm on there all the time and uh, trying to add value wherever I can and would love to connect with anybody that's interested. Awesome. So if you're interested in connecting with Andrew, LinkedIn is the place to go. And you're right. I'll dig up that I'll dig up that uh, that link and throw it in the show notes for everybody else. Uh, Martin just sent you a Facebook request. So I found you already. So anyway, uh, appreciate both of your guys' time today. Thanks for um, you know, spending an hour with me on a, you know, lovely Wednesday morning. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully you guys have a great rest of the day, great rest of the week. It's been great. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Had a great thanks time. for having us. And uh, Martin, thanks so much for uh, your insight. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, you're very welcome, Andrew. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already, and then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.